0: Oh man. Oh man. I'm so excited. That beat is thumping. It is time. We're back from E3 and it's time for DLC, your downloadable conversation for the week. DLC delivered the way it's meant to be, completely free. And that's thanks to our sponsors this week, Squarespace, Squarespace, Meta CDN, and Hover. They made that possible, bringing the show to you. DLC, all the Uh, It's the show all about gaming in its many forms, games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, and also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I am your host, Jeff Kanata. that's with two N's and one T, and I'm joined as always by my friend slash co-host slash nemesis, the guy who threatened to take his comedy album off of Apple Music if they didn't pay royalties, and they backed down, baby. It's Christian Spicer. Welcome, Christian. Hello, Jeff. Real real
1: quick, some people I know don't make the end of the show, and you always say this very great, profound thing about making the world a better place. And this won't be long, but I would just like to take a brief, very short moment of silence for the families that were ruined and the lives that were lost senselessly in Charleston at the latest mass shooting. And um, during that moment, if we could all just think about how we can all make the world a better place, I would appreciate it. Real quick, moment of silence, start the show. Here we go. Great. That's all. That's all. Thank you for uh doing that for me. You're
0: here, here, man. Uh, tough week for people that, you know, believe in uh in making the world a better place. But uh we persevere. And it was an exciting week of E3. This is gonna be an exciting episode, I think, because we have so much to talk about. This is part two of our big special E three roundup. Uh we had part one last week where we talked all about the conferences in the middle of the show. This week we're going to it's not going to be a normal episode. We're not going to have our normal segments. It's going to be all E3 all the time. And the good news is we have an awesome guest to help us do that. DLC is always your downloadable Canada, your downloadable Christian. This week DLC stands for dissecting this legendary conference or describing our lives during the convention and uh our guest I saw a lot of stuff. I think he saw twice as much as I saw. We have Our buddy, senior editor of Yahoo Games, friend of the show, Mr. Ben Silverman is back. Thank you for being here, Ben. Welcome.
2: Thank you for having me, you guys. I am so tired, but I'm here and I'm excited.
0: Yeah, uh, we're all sort of uh, in recovery, but I think overall, a very good E3 this year. Would you agree?
2: Yeah, I I would absolutely agree. This was um, my 19th E3, which is, uh, it's horrifying when i say it out loud um i should should probably go do something else in june i have no idea what you do in june when you don't go to three um but uh but this was really one of the best in in years i don't know if it's the best ever but i mean at least in the last five years this is easily
0: uh the most interesting show and we have so much to talk about uh with regard to the show but i can't have you here on the eve of batman day (laughs) <laughs> and not talk about Batman Arkham Knights. So before we get to E3, let's talk about that, because you have been playing a pre-release copy. You're you're pushing through for review. What is your take? It's been getting such uh, rave reviews so far.
2: No How spoilers,
0: though. It? I'm going
1: in pretty unsullied. So <laughs> Yeah. I, or I can yeah. just walk away for a minute.
2: <laughs> no, no, I, I will keep it spoiler-free. I'm a little annoyed by some of those spoilers that are coming out in a few of the reviews from some of my friends. I'm like, what are you guys doing? You got to keep it. You got to keep it clean here. Um so I you know it's it's uh it's complicated, Jeff. It's complicated, <laughs> Batman. Uh you know, I I, I here's just kind of the setup here. Um Warner Brothers decided uh when they started pushing this game back that uh June 23rd was a great release date and the entire, you know, video game press corps just Side, sadly, that we were going to have to somehow squeeze this game in around e three, uh, so I played it the week before e three and then obviously haven't touched it you know really in the last you know seven or eight days, and I started trying to kind of hammer through the very ending sequences um, over the last over the last day or two so i 'm a few hours from the very end, so i can 't really speak towards how the whole thing you know until you 've really beaten it you don 't really know exactly how it all turns out, but i've logged many many hours and I think two things are going to happen uh when people get their hands on this game. I think people are going to be blown away by the sheer size and scope and like feature dump that's in this thing. There's just so much happening. It's overwhelming. I think it's overwhelming especially if you've never played. If you've never played an Arkham game, you cannot start here. You just can't. Oh wow. I mean e- even right when the game starts, it kind of throws you into the deep end. And it doesn't really walk you through like combat, for instance. And given I've played all the Arkham games, I'm sure you guys have played at, you know at least one or two. Probably, hopefully, skipped Origins. <clears throat> um, it patched up real nice. That's good to know. I didn't I didn't come back to it. I was so uh, disappointed the first time I played Origins. But anyway, you know you know the combat kind of backwards and forwards. But if someone was new to this series, it's just it's brutal. It just starts off pretty tough and and just assumes you know how you're playing it. So I think there's so much happening in it. There's so many incredible effects and it's just such a big world and there's like tons of incredible gameplay variety. You're doing lots of detective stuff. You're doing the Batmobile, which I know is kind of controversial. You're flying around the city a lot. Um, and I really mean flying. You feel almost Superman-ish. It's a little weird. Like you don't just glide for a little bit. You like can really haul butt across Gotham. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the on the flip side of that, I think there are sort of some problems with the way the story's told because it's so big and because it's so sprawling that I think the other thing that's going to happen in addition to people being bowled over by, by it's just sheer volume. Really. I think Arkham Asylum is going to come out of this as being maybe the best game in the trilogy. I think people are going to look back on that game and say, that was maybe the tightest, most Batman ish game. You know, it was really about Batman and the Joker and it was a little more narrow and they obviously didn't have the open world. But when I was, you know, kind of halfway through Arkham Knight, I I kept wanting to go back to Asylum. I was like, God, I kind of miss the beautiful simplicity of the storytelling in in that first game. Um,
0: so even I don't with know. The, it, uh, even with the bizarre last boss battle with the Joker, that is really strange and kind of terrible. Yeah, yeah. terrible.
2: <laughs> no, I know. Yeah, there were probably, I mean, obviously it wasn't a perfect game. I don't think any of these games have been perfect, but they've been right, very... Right. Very good as far as you know superhero games go, um, but I, I kind of longed for some of the simplicity of, of Asylum after the just you know some may say feature creep that's that's affecting Arkham Knight. That being said, it's still tons of fun, and I mean when I'm not playing it, I'm thinking of playing it, and that's always a great sign of a great game. So, um, I mean, yeah, I, I I think the one thing I will speak to without any spoilers is that the Batmobile and the tank stuff. Um, for fans of Batman, it's it's a little hard. It feels shoehorned in there, like how to sort of you know rationalize that he's like. I mean, they could have called this just you know Batman property damage because he just like is <laughs> thrashing Gotham, and it makes me wonder what's he worse. He learned it from
0: Superman. You learned it by <laughs> watching
2: Superman. That's exactly right. Like <laughs> it feels a little like the Man of Steel thing.
0: Uh,
2: I wonder if it's worse to have like scarecrow, like spreading fear toxin around a city or Batman, like just completely demolishing the infrastructure. Like what world would you rather live in? I don't know. Like at least you have I'm roads. I'm saving you. I'm <laughs> saving all of you. <laughs> I mean, you're just, you're just smashing, like you'll call the Batmobile and you'll see, you'll like look down the street and you'll just see like trees collapsing and signposts <laughs> falling over. And you're like, I don't, I don't think this is what Batman would do, but okay, it's a video game. Let's have fun and suspend our disbelief. Um, That's funny. So I, yeah, that, those are some of my kind of feelings. So again, it, it's complicated. There's a lot to think about and talk about, but the sheer act of negotiating Gotham and beating people up and, you know, the detective mode stuff is better than it's ever been. I think there's a lot to love in this game
0: for sure. Man, uh, it almost intimidates me hearing that how big it is because I'm still working my way through witcher three and that game just seems so massive and endless and I don't want it to end, but I also feel like these games are getting so time intensive that, uh, you can't play everything you gotta, it's, it's great. Plus I'm, you know, I'm doing my dailies and here's the storm. So
1: it's what tough. you, uh, what did you play on? Was it PS4? I feel like that's the kind of only review copy that went out. Is that right?
2: Yeah. Just PS4, um, little kind of insider, info uh, about how some of this stuff works most journalists uh if they have an a, a, a debug machine which allows you to play advanced copies uh the ps4 is sort of the only one that most people have i don't really even know how that works on the xbox um they didn't really i'm sure like ign and maybe polygon or a couple of the big sites might have an xbox one debug i don't even know if that's out there um so yeah i think everybody who's got a debug it's mostly ps4
0: Well, we'll be talking a lot about uh, that game in the coming weeks, I'm sure, but I wanted to get a little early preview from somebody who's been playing it. That's awesome. But let's turn now to E3 because there's so much to talk about. And if we're talking about E3, this is really the last time in the year that we're going to get to play this. That's right. That E3 hype train has rounded the bend and headed into the tunnel, and we won't it won't come round these parts again until uh, diggedy diggedy sixteen. So uh, we're gonna be we're gonna be excited to see the hype train return. But uh, before it leaves, man, there's a lot to get hyped about. I figured this episode is gonna be sort of freeform. We were all there. We all had different experiences. We all saw different games. But there's there's a lot of stuff that I want to talk about. I know. Uh, there's a lot of stuff, Ben, you and I had lunch together at E3 and we were kind of talking about things. And, um, one of the games you talked about getting hands on with that I never got a chance to play at the show. And I'm very anxious to hear more about is no man's sky. So why don't we start there? Tell me what your experience was playing that game. Um, well, you can't talk about No Man's
2: Sky without talking about Sean Murray, and uh, he is such an interesting guy to like talk to for a few minutes because he's this like kind of creative weirdo who <laughs> happens to be guiding maybe the biggest video game ever made in terms of its size and scope, and in many ways hype. Uh, it's off the charts. It is definitely at the front of the hype train. I think, mm-hmm. um, and uh, so I, you know, I asked him. The first question that everybody asks me when I say I've played it, which is, "Is the game any fun?" Right. And... Our chat room is asking that right now. Oh, look at that! Look at that. Is it fun? He actually played. Yes. Yeah, I played it, and is it fun? I don't know. Sorry, I don't know yet. I've only played <laughs> it for like twenty minutes. Um, this is what I'll say about it. I, you know, I asked him. You know what you're trying to do here is kind of emulate our current universe right? There's 18 quintillion planets in your game. Um,
0: that's not and, even, that's, that's not even, I like, that's not even a statistic. Like, 18 quintillion planets in my game. That's like,
2: what even is that? It's like what my kid would just make up a number, right? I don't think that's a number. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> um, and, you know, I he, he said something to me that was kind of interesting. He said, you know, when, when people play this game and I tell them you can kind of do anything you want, you can Go to a planet and explore. You can mine for resources, and you can you know, fight things, or you could just take pictures or just kind of cruise around in space. He says, everybody asks him the same thing, which is, so if I can mine resources, can I then go and trade that stuff for more money and then go and like, buy cooler stuff and then trade? And, and he said, yes, you can do all that, and it's built into the game. And what he found so interesting is that it's like everybody wants to give themselves a job. He's like, I've I've created a world, you know, where you can do whatever you want. And everybody's like, I want a job. I just want a job. (laughs) I want to be a trader and just do like a totally menial job. (laughs) And uh, and we had an interesting conversation about the nature of gaming and about play and about how without rules and without a job, we sometimes don't really know what to do. And we do that in our regular lives. Like we all have jobs. We have to do that or else we're just wandering around hungry it's about purpose right it's about having purpose right it's exactly about, it's about purpose but but when you when you kind of get a, a a kind of global shot of it or kind of a maybe a more of a top down shot with him you start to see that really what this game is trying to be and i think what this game is ultimately going to be is is minecraft in space it's going to be minecraft maybe meets star control which is my dream uh in in space so it's it's really like you know because it's procedurally generated, you never really know what you're going to experience and what you're going to get when you go to a planet. So there's definitely the joy of just landing on a planet, getting out, looking around, you see all kinds of different creatures. There are these big sentinel bots that'll like protect the planet. If you're getting violent or if things are getting violent, um, there's tons of mining. I really can't stress that enough. Like each one of these 18 quintillion fake number planets, um, you know, has resources on it and you can equip bigger and better tools to get to more of those resources so you might need certain resources to make a blueprint to get a better gun or cooler armor or something on your ship and you have to like search the galaxy and go to planets to find that stuff and you'll get hints you know based on where you go that'll kind of tell you well these resources sources are on this planet so you kind of head there and try to get You know this engram, so to speak, to use another game's term. Um, So you know, I think there's meaning or there's there's purpose inherent to just the mechanics of the game, and as a gamer trying to get cooler stuff and bigger and better stuff. Um, There's also a little bit of purpose to getting to the center of the galaxy, although unlike a game like Spore, where it like literally eventually just drops you and says, you have to get to the middle of the galaxy. I think this is more, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe it's kind of an overriding principle than it is like a story that's directing you there. There is no story um, as far as I can tell. Um, But I I think it's really cool. And what I think that's coolest about it are all of these things that we are left unsaid. I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be fun flying around and like landing on like your 700th planet, and yeah, that has a slightly around.
0: different fish than the 400 planets you visited before that and slightly different like this this plant is a has a leaf that's slightly wider and slightly greener than the other one. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it it could totally
2: run into like a repetitive problem where you're just like I've done this, I've gotten the green stuff and I'm I'm tired of it. And you're never really going to I mean according to the way that they've set it up, you're never going to bump into anybody else. I mean the chances of that are so slim. Um, Which feels
0: like a missed opportunity to me. I feel totally. like there's a there's a social aspect to this exploration that could be really fun. Yeah, and I'm really hoping that they
2: hear that from people who are interested in it and find a way to cage it in a little bit, like where they spawn people. Because right now they're right. saying, you know, you can spawn anywhere, but I, I don't think that's true. I mean, for one thing, you're going to need to stay on the outer rim of this galaxy if you're supposed to make it to the inside of this galaxy. So you're going to have to keep people on the outskirts. And then I think they're probably gonna force it so that people are closer to each other. Cause I don't understand if you never meet any other human player, uh, how fun this could be. I mean that even in a game like Minecraft, part of the joy is when you can share it. Yeah. And I think they're gonna I think they're gonna change their tune on that a little bit so that you do encounter more people. Um but what's most exciting about No Man's Sky is—is is it's all the unknown questions. It's the ambition. It's the most ambitious game I've seen it. E, I've seen it e three in several years. It's one of the most ambitious games I've ever heard of, and uh, and that to me is more exciting than a known quantity. So I'm still stoked on it, you guys. I think it's going to be interesting, if nothing else.
0: Yeah, I, I tend to agree. Uh, you know, I have more worries this year than I ever have before with it. Of of you know whether it will be a game that I will stick with for a long time. But I, I totally agree with you on the level of ambition and the level of really pushing the boundary of what is capable in video games. You know, I'm worried that the way the trend we see with these kinds of things is like, Oh my God, you know, it's, you're so far from the center of the galaxy. It's going to take millions. And then like some dude on the internet's like in three days is like, I got to the center of the galaxy. (laughs) I I did it three (laughs) days later. Um, or, you know, there, there will be, I don't know. I, I hope. I love the comparison that you're making to Minecraft. I think that's a really exciting thing. And I felt like this year's E3 was the first time we really saw that effect, that Minecraftification of gaming, uh, which I think is really an exciting thing about creation rather than destruction, uh, you know, from certain games. Uh, but I didn't see anything. I don't, maybe you did. But it, is there creation in the game? I saw destructibility in the environments, but can I build stuff up in the environment too? So, no, I never. I, I didn't in my
2: twenty minutes i wasn't able to build a structure. Um, I was just mining and then creating items and using those resources to uh you know build blueprints that would then create different kinds of guns and all that stuff's procedurally generated as well. I mean the kind of gun you're going to hold is going to look different uh, than than everyone else's uh, but I agree with you, I think a building mechanic which was so like revelatory when Todd Howard showed us that fallout Four thing and everyone's like, Oh my God, I'm building bases. And it was so exciting. And no man's sky has so far not shown those cards. If those are in there. Um, yeah, but, but you can definitely mine. That's a big part of it.
0: So interesting. I, I, you, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like if I can, if I can mine stuff and I, if my gun looks different than everybody else's, I want to bump into other people. I want to show them my gun and see theirs and, you know, show the, see the things that they've built or mined. I hope, I don't know. We'll see. Um, lots of other games to talk about christian i wanted to uh tap you for a, a game you saw or were excited about uh, at e3 what's, what's something you want to bring up
1: street fighter 5 i can't believe that this is game isn't getting maybe it's because capcom is in the state that they're maybe in um i can't believe this game isn't wasn't bigger on the show floor and hasn't been Screamed from the rooftops, and I don't think it's because Ultra Street Fighter 4 launched so poorly on the PlayStation 4 um, last month. I mean, this is a numbered iteration of arguably the best fighting game franchise of all time. I don't know if it's because people are upset that it's currently, and they say forever will be, um, a Sony and PC exclusive Um I, I just can't believe that this game isn't getting more buzz and, and talked about more. It looks incredible. I know, Jeff, that you're not the biggest fighting game fan. but um, Oh,
0: I'm a, I'm a big Street Fighter fan.
1: Right, sure. I mean, I, I get what I'm saying is you and I, neither you or I would pick up this game right off the bat and say, oh, okay, reuse fireballs, two frames different. Um, I got to right. learn, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. But I think the biggest challenge this generation of gaming has is going against our false memories of what last generation looked like. <laughs> like, I think. Right, yeah. When, like,. Uncharted is has
0: that problem. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah the Gears yeah. Remastered came out. And it's like, it just looks like Gears. And then there's some great sites, you know, that have the slide the screen yeah. over to Fallout compare. Fallout, even.
0: Fallout 4. It's like the the great. Like, the dog looks like the dog I remember from Fallout 3. And then you see the screenshot of the dog from Fallout 3, and you're like, oh, oh, no. It, it looks way <laughs> better than that. <laughs> yeah. And I think
1: maybe that's where Street Fighter is. Maybe part of the reason too it's not blowing people away is that it it now it looks like a fully realized of the intro cinematic from the uh, Street Fighter Because I mean you compare p c shots of Street Fighter Four on Ultra to what Street Fighter Five looked like I'm assuming it was actually running on the p s four on the show floor when I played it near kanye West <laughs> um, <laughs> it it uh it's incredible it looks so buttery smooth, and I know that they're i think the subtle tweaks and i've read up on it but i'm by no means an expert so don't listen to what i'm saying about like the v gauge and how that changes things and how that changes characters but wow i mean every time i see trailers for this game and it was the first time i got to go hands-on with it it absolutely blew me away did you did ben did you or uh
2: jeff did either of you sit down with this game at all i, I did um Although, (laughs) I think the one thing that I'm intimidated by Street Fighter now because it's been you know co opted by the pro gamer circuit. So it's so tied to the pro gamer circuit that I I have a hard time just thinking about oh, what would it be fun to like sit around and play this with my friends? Because every time I hear about Street Fighter or see Street Fighter these days, it's pro players like doing things that I could never possibly do in the game. And my demo was at the Capcom booth playing against a pro player. (laughs) <laughs> so I was like, you know, I was like Ryuing, like, I was like, Dragon Punch, I remember that. Like, here's my tornado kick. And this dude's just like demolishing me with <laughs> who was the guile kind of knockoff they had in the game? Charlie. Uh, Char- yeah, was that it? Um, yeah. yeah. It was just embarrassing. And I was, I mean, but you're right. The game looks beautiful. And I think for people who are. But you know, isn't
1: that all online games now because i think i could say the same thing about call of duty right it, it harkens back to play with your friends find people you know and like if you go on GAF or you know uh, game facts or any message board it looks like everyone in the world is an expert on call of duty and everyone in the world is an expert of halo everyone in the world is an expert on street fighter when you go online you just get you know destroyed yeah, and I but I'm, the, I'm the best more niche
0: i'm the best street fighter player in my living room i'll tell you that right, right now <laughs> <laughs> So I think, yeah,
1: <laughs> I think people get intimidated by fighting games because of this, I would say false conception that, uh, or misconception, that's a easier word, um, that, you know, oh, I, they're, they're too complex for me. I don't think it's any more or less complex than, you know, Street Fighter 2 was or certainly Alpha. Um, if you play champs or professional players in those games, you won't stand a chance either. Like, they're still the really cool, fun fighting game. Like, we all are going to go buy Halo. We're all going to buy um, you know, Heroes of the Storm. Everybody's playing that, but I can't Hold a candle up to a pro player and i think it's unfair that fighting games get that label of well you can't do it
2: i feel like that's also a lot more specific to street fighter than like mortal kombat which is also played on you know pro gamer circuits and has just the same level of maybe not quite the same level of of kind of um you know maybe specific kind of pro i don't know moves or whatever it's it's a little it's a little more user-friendly in some ways um but but yeah, I don't know. It's something about Street Fighter. I think it's just like maybe years of watching like those Evo tournaments and just watching these guys be so amazing and watching these crowds cheer that I'm like, oh, I look so lame when I like, hey, look, I threw a <laughs> fireball. Remember fireballs? Like <laughs> maybe it's just that that seeped in. But I, I, I agree with you 100%, Christian, about how great this game looks. It is, I mean, they just, I, I thought Street Fighter 4 looked incredible and they've made it look even prettier. Like it's just gorgeous in action.
0: Yeah, Yeah. I had this incredible moment. I think you can't even um, reference this, Christian, in in your own way. But I had this incredible moment when I was standing in front of it watching it where I wished I could send a screenshot back in time to my 1992 self who was obsessed (laughs) with Street Fighter. Because there aren't very many games where – I mean, I'm looking at Ryu fighting Chun-Li, right, which is exactly the same game. It's exactly the same. It's just – move forward technologically and there aren't very many games like that where you are literally looking at the exact same moment that you played 20 years ago (laughs) you know and it's just improved the way technologically it can be presented to you and it it was just i had this strange moment of time shift of just like I, i can't believe i'm looking at this i can't believe this has endured i can't believe this thing that i loved so much when i was younger can look like this now uh, and it's relatively short amount of time. That, you know, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah.
1: Can I bring up one other thing before we dive sure. into the wonderful world of VR? <laughs>
0: uh, yes, so uh,
1: I didn't get hands on with this. And I don't know if it was available. It, it wasn't for me. But people might have seen the um, annoyingly, obnoxiously large Game of the Year E3 award you, you and I, Jeff, did. Um, yeah,
0: the biggest award in gaming.
1: Yes, the uh, so fun. Anyway, uh, shout out to Aaron who uh, made that for us. It's handmade, one of a kind. Um, we awarded it. Spoiler alert: to Fallout Four, and I want to bring up that game and just explain briefly why. For me, I still stand by that, Jeff. I know you and I had fun uh, on Twitter, where every game you then saw after that, you tweeted to me was your
0: new. <laughs> well, I saw some. I saw some great games in the last day of E3, where I was like, oh, we we chose too quickly. <laughs> But I, I also stand behind uh, Fallout 4, but go ahead and explain our our uh, rationale for that award.
1: Oh, it's – okay, we're, you're co-opt. Okay, so um Wait, we did, we, did, we
0: decided as a team, my friend.
1: Well, I know, but I'm saying I don't renege on it. I'm standing by it, and my reasoning is still the same. And that is right. I love the way that it was announced officially at E3 with the release date of this year. And then they went above and beyond what you expected that game to have and just did in a cool way and mind blowing way for that franchise, I think, a feature dump of all of this amazing stuff that took this game that already you could play for years and made it into a game where, holy crap, uh, I need a divorce and I'm going to give my kids up for adoption so I can only play this game. Like to me, I freed yeah, it for, for,
0: for, for Christian, it's the. Uh... You're actually awarding the Mark Edding Memorial Marketing Award <laughs> to best best reveal slash messaging in a video game,
1: and that's what I was exactly what I was going to get to, right? I think the whole concept of best game of E3 is misleading in and of itself. Kind of like my view on uh, game of the year, we're like, you, we play no game at E3, right? You play vertical slices, demos watch other people play vertical slices or demos, watch trailers or, or view presentations. No one sits down and it's not as if Ben sat down and was like and now 20 hours of Batman <laughs> E3. <laughs> um, so it's this farce that it's the best game. But yes, as Mark Edding would say, the way it was presented, packaged, and shoved into our faces, I think it's worthy of that award despite what I would say, games offering potentially more promise, like Horizon, which was my you know, kicked me between the legs in the best way possible. My eyes are popping out of my head. I feel all these feelings of pain and joy in my stomach at the same time saying, please, Lord, let this game deliver. Uh, yeah. But to me, that's too much speculation to give a life-size cutout to.
0: The, yeah, I completely agree. And I, I still stand by our decision to make that our joint game of the show. And, and for all those reasons you mentioned, I think that's correct. I, also, it, it looks like an amazing game. We're going to be able to play it this year um, it, it, it's delivering on the promise of what a fallout Four can be and more. Um, they really, they really blew my socks off, you know? So yeah, I, I don't have any regrets giving that game. I think it's deserving. I think it just speaks to how great E3 is this year that I could pick six or seven games that are <laughs> deserving of uh game of the show. So there's not one standout, one clear standout for me. Um, would you agree, Ben? Yeah, absolutely.
2: I, although I, I will, I will just, uh, infuriate you guys by saying that I, I actually did play Fallout Oh. Um, oh. That's why you're I here, Ben. That's why you're here. I tell you about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm, not, I'm not supposed to be able to really talk much about why. Uh, <laughs> well, I can say why. So I'm a, I'm a judge for the Game Critic Awards and one of the... Um, what's happened, as, as Christian was saying, this is... It's silly calling it a game of show at E3 because it really is demo of show. And over the years, I've been doing this for a long time for this uh, this little you know uh, consortium of journalists. Um, we've errantly handed out some awards to games that didn't really work as well as we had hoped, uh, among them, star Wars galaxies, I think won a best of show award. Um, Mm -hmm. Spore won, I think, two or three years in a row. Uh, <laughs> uh, that was a hell of a demo, though. That that's Spore, when Spore demo was at
1: its best. Yeah. right. That yeah. was that
2: was yeah. They should have never released it, and that would have that would have been great. <laughs> I would have had beautiful memories of it. Um, Freelancer, I think, won something one year, and then like got canned, and then came back, and then was a fine game, but not amazing. Um, so one of the things that's happened out of that is that now. For a game to be considered eligible, we have to be able to play it. Now, it doesn't mean we can play it for long. It doesn't mean it's a little silly because often that means you just like sit with a game for like two minutes. Like Uncharted 4, I like, you know, played through the very end of the sequence of him like shooting at the truck, like as Uh he's like about to fall off like the motorcycle. And it was like, you know, I, I just controlled it for 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 a minute and it's like okay you're now eligible or the last guardian i got to like climb up the big ferret dragon thing um right. with a controller and it's like this counts so fallout 4 was part of that like they wanted it to be eligible so it's like the judges went across the street in this little room and like i like ran around and like I, you know i was like loaded with like a rocket launcher and all these stim packs i was like super badass my dog um was out like fighting a ghoul, and I just got into the most ridiculous firefight because I could, and just to check the VAT system and make it work. So I have no idea. I didn't build anything. I didn't get to get a sense of all the really cool new features. But the thing works. The thing's playable. The thing looked pretty good. And uh, I, I, yeah, I mean, I 100% agree with you guys that like just in terms of promise and something that's coming this year that does make a difference because you know it's 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 probably a little more real than like late 2016, which anything can happen between now and then. Right. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think it was. I think it was. It was sort of my game of show as well. If 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 we're gonna go with those, I guess.
0: Uh, well, spoilers for the end of the show. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> the thing I'm learning, the thing I'm just f- figuring out right now is uh, there's so much to talk about, and to do any depth on any of these games, uh, we we just really are not going to be able to get to everything in this episode. So I'm hoping those of you that are listening live and in our chat room. Uh, Shoot us games that you are most interested to hear about. We'll try to get to those. Uh, We've played tons. Yes, there's going to be a significant portion of the show devoted to VR uh, because it's my show and that's what I want. And I know Ben is excited about it, too. Um, So we look forward to that. But I do need to thank our sponsor. Uh, our first sponsor is Squarespace. You know about them because you listen to this show. They are close to our heart because they provide an incredible service, and they do it really, really well, and they support this show. I use Squarespace to create my own blog, which is at Jeffcanada.com I've been using it for years. And the reason I use it is because I can create something unique and interesting looking very easily. I can update it very easily. It's super stable and they have all the tools I need without me having to jump in and program in HTML. It's all what you see is what you get. It makes it for a very smooth, easy, no stress experience of creating and running a website. Uh, the sites look all look professionally designed, even when you don't have the skill to create a professionally designed website, because it's all drag and drop. You have no coding required and they have great security and stability. So you can not have to worry about your site going down when you need it to. And Hey, if you, if you need to sell something, every site comes with commerce. It's just a plug and play uh, widget that you put into your site. It's built right in. It makes it so simple. Also, it's inexpensive. It starts at only eight bucks a month. And if you sign up for a year, you get a free domain name. And guess what? We're going to hook you up with 10% off your first order just by listening to the show and using our promo code. So if you go to squarespace.com slash DLC and you put in the promo code Jeff Sent Me, J E F F S E N T M E, all one word, you'll get 10% off your order. It's awesome. Then they know you heard about it here and they keep supporting our show and bringing it to you. Uh, it's great. Build beautiful things. Create a, a website. Everybody needs a website for something, and Squarespace can create any website and make it look better and unique and make it easy for you to use. So use that squarespace.com slash DLC. Use that promo code Jeff Sent Me. Get 10% off your order. You can try it out for a month without even putting any money in, pr- without even putting a credit card in. It's super easy. Squarespace.com slash DLC and the promo code Jeff Sent Me. Uh, okay, guys, while we're talking about uh, games of show, uh christian referenced the fact that i uh, was tweeting at him all these new games that i thought were contenders uh so i'm going to hit some of those that i was very impressed with chief among them mirror's edge 2 now mirror's edge 2 uh mirror's edge zero catalyst Catalyst. oh catalyst yeah i guess it's not uh i think it's a retelling
1: of faith's origin
0: oh yeah only
1: jumping in to say that so that no internet doesn't I, say I appreciate
0: it you doing that i you know i've been thinking about it too but you're right it's catalyst and it's yeah catalyst means the beginning um that was a game that was playable on the show floor and uh i was uh, you know two weeks ago we talked about our games we were most anticipating that was the top of my list of games i've been excited about because the first mirror's edge was a game that i think had a lot of potential, but didn't reach its potential. And you could see that it was, it had something it. It was something unique and something different. And when it worked, it really felt awesome. It just had these little flaws that prevented it from reaching its full potential. And again, the refrain we're going to say over and over in this show is, you know, I only played it for 15 minutes, but that 15 minutes really sold me on the idea that these guys have doubled down on what made the first Mirror's Edge great and it seems to me that they've stripped away a lot of what held back the first Mirror's Edge. Uh, first of all, it looks gorgeous. The Frostbite engine is spectacular, and they really it really does look great. And the the free-running is is fun and thrilling and really works, and they did such a very smart thing. You know, I was a little worried about it being an open-world game, because not every game needs to be open-world, but they did a really smart thing. You can drop a waypoint into the into the map anywhere like you can in every open world game. And in most open world games, when you do that, you get a little, you know, a little waypoint off in the distance, a little marker or some sort of generalized go left, go this, you know, go North ish. And you got to figure your own way to get through that way to get to the waypoint. Uh, With mirror's edge catalyst, they, when you place a waypoint, it calculates like a Google map might one particular route there that includes what to jump over, what to leap, what to slide underneath, what where to go. And it creates those red markers in the environment as you get closer to things that say, here's a way to go. You don't have to stick with that. You don't even have to put down a waypoint. But the fact that it can create for you a way to create that flow of parkour and maintain that flow of parkour. So you're not like run two feet open up my map. Am I going the right way? Okay. Or fall over here. And oh crap. I I don't know how to get exactly get there. The whole idea of what makes mirror's edge exciting is to create that sense of movement and kineticism and feeling like you are the baddest ass parkour person on the planet. And the fact that they figured out that that's the smartest way to have you move through the world and moving through the world is really fun. They also, it seems to me that the,
1: a quick question on that, um, for me, the worst part of Mirror's Edge OG wasn't the gun combat. It was how it handled fail state because that game felt awesome when everything was clicking, and then when you ran into a wall or fell down, you know, you restarted and then you ran into that wall. It's it and it's a difficult task, one I don't have an answer for, but like how do you convey um, you know, the James Bond parkour moment or or, you know, whatever your parkour movie like that awesome perfect flow and line where you're nailing everything but also mess up and need to improvise and keep going and have repercussions to your actions but not have you hit a wall and lose everything
0: yeah i mean i i just felt like during the 15 minutes that i played it i was able to create that flow pretty quickly and pretty easily they basically map the trigger and the bumper so the bumper is everything that you want to do where you go up in the world, and the trigger is everything you want to do when you go down in the world. So if you run to a a thing that has a you know a hole underneath it, you can push the trigger and you'll slide through the hole, or you can push the bumper and you'll like clamber up that wall. So it, it's really intuitive, it's really easy, and it you know I didn't reach a fail state. Uh, So I don't know if the demo itself was a little easier than the game will be or not, but I did fight a bunch of guys, and it was basically run up to a guy and press X. And there was this little mini game that happens in your reticle reticle that um, you know you have to time something. And I wasn't really certain how it worked because there's no tutorial in the demo, but it it seemed to me that there's a little bit of depth there. But the best thing about the combat was that it didn't impede my movement. It didn't feel like I'm running to a place and then I'm fighting these guys. In an arena, it felt like these guys are just an obstacle on my way through, and all I'm doing is using them as a stepping stone to get to the next place. Did you play it, yeah, Ben? I did,
2: and I was I was a little unsold on the combat stuff there, because it seemed like that was, you know, it was super cinematic, the way you would kind of run into a guy and kind of, you know, punch, kick, jump, and they would kind of pull back, and you would jump and then move to another spot, and it just felt like it was a little canned. Um mm. I'm, you know, I'm excited the same way you are about, about the gameplay and the fact that they've made kind of creating those flows pretty easy. Um, but my biggest problem with the original game was the world itself, which I think was so beautiful in, in its colors and in its, you know, kind of cleanliness or whatever, but it was empty. It was just completely empty. And I hate open world games that are empty. I mean, it's not hate, but it's it's a frustrating point for me. It's something that going back to Batman Arkham Knight, Every Arkham game comes up with a way to like get everyone out of the city, right? Like, oh, we've got nice. to just get rid of the citizens because we can't <laughs> render them all. So there's a smog. Uh, hey, Coachella, uh, they're all a Coachella <laughs> fan down the road, in Gotham. So they, they just kind of get rid of all the citizens so that like you don't have to deal with that. And I feel like the first Mirror's Edge, I was running through these insane, you know, office buildings. There's no one in anything. It's like, why is there no humans here other than the evil police force and me? Um, and this game now is taking more of an open world angle where like, you can go point to point, you can go over to this place and start a challenge. You can run all across the world. And when I was doing it in that 15 minute demo, I didn't see anybody else. And I was a little bummed. I wanted the world to feel more vibrant and more lived in, uh, Mm. even if it's clean and futuristic and white and super, like, it looks like an Apple store. Um, (laughs) yeah. Why does the future need to be white, Ben? (laughs) Oh. <laughs> I think we're just sadly uh we're just- acc- accustomed to that vision now <laughs> we're
0: trying to we're trying to change that <laughs> i love I love the look of mirror's edge i think it, it that stark world is just so different and unique and it's funny that you bring bring that up, and now that you say that, I go, oh yeah, but it didn't really bother me and hasn't ever really bothered me just because it feels consistent with the fiction of this sort of totalitarian everyone's in their right place and they're all sort of locked in their cubicles living their future life and i'm the only person that is able to you know run on the rooftops and clamber around and i'm i'm breaking the rules by being out so i don't know i, I guess i give it the benefit of the doubt that way but but i see your point for sure
2: yeah i mean i just if you're gonna make it a game with an open world that's like we're and you can go anywhere in the city i want the city to feel like there are people in in it doing things they could be trapped i mean there could be people who are you know like you know, in little cars and they can't get out of them and they're like going to work. I don't know. I don't know how to do that. Right. I'm not the designer, yeah. but, but that, that coldness kept me a little, and maybe it was just a demo. So maybe they're going to have some way to populate it, but it just feels like a tech demo to me when there's no other characters in a game.
0: Uh, in the chat room, Q says there's a theme here. No man's sky mirrors, edge, beautiful, empty worlds. <laughs> <Interesting>. <laughs> yeah. Um, what, What's another game you want to, you would like to bring up, uh, Ben, any uh, highlights for you? Well, yeah. I mean, as you said, there there were a lot this year.
2: Um, and, I, you know, I, we could talk about all the big ones, the, you know, the Star Wars Battlefronts and the mm-hmm. Mario Makers and stuff. What I'd like to talk about, I know we're going to talk about VR in a little bit, but uh, I would like to talk about the two, like, smaller games that made a lot of noise at the show. Uh, one of those is Cuphead, which I'm sure you guys have, I don't know if you guys talked about it in your yeah. part
0: one. Yeah. Hmm. A little so, bit, but yeah, I got to play it. So, yeah, I'll talk more about it too.
2: Yeah, me as well. Um, I mean, what a stunning looking game. And what kept jumping out to me is like, everyone's making eight bit retro games. And you look at this thing and you're like, dude, that's a retro game. Like (laughs) that's how you do. That's how you do vintage, right? Like 1930s animation. Um, I I love that these guys love this look so much that they've dedicated themselves to bringing it back and sticking it in front of like contemporary gamers. Um, and it's so amazing to look at. This Max Fleischer kind of Betty Boop art style is, is stunning in person when you watch and control the character. What mm-hmm. I think people aren't prepared for is how staggeringly difficult it is. Um, yes. This, yes. Is a, this is a treasure. I mean, this, this game has been inspired by those treasure, treasure games like Gunstar Heroes that are like really hard you know platform kind of bullet hell almost schmuck kind of things and that's what cuphead is so it's going to be an interesting game to cover when it comes out and everyone's like well this looks you know i love the style and like kind of relatively casual-ish maybe not super hardcore treasure fans are going to buy it and just
0: die over and over
2: again and be like i'm never going to play it again because it was really hard you
0: find it hard too I did uh, very hard uh and it sort of reminds me of Ori and the Blind Forest that way right because everybody was so taken by the visual style of that game and, and brought into it and then it's like oh no it's it's actually really hardcore platformer uh that you know will beat you down and uh I think yeah I played this game Cuphead and uh I was shocked I was shocked at it, it is all hold no prisoners kind of Uh, bullet hell it really is a bullet hell game it's not as platformery as it is bullet hell there's constantly stuff coming at you that will kill you fast uh you're constantly leaping over things uh, and the boss battles are really hard it it looks awesome and it 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 is incredible that we have something that looks like this that is playable but man does it it, it, does it pull no punches it's really really rough it's going to be a tough pill for people to swallow when they start playing it
1: yeah, and it will take time for people, I think, too, to figure out because the game is so beautiful, things pop out of the background, so to speak, that you don't notice that it's the background and it's attacking you before, you know, you're dead. And it's like one hit at times, you're you're done. And I mean, I hope that maybe this game could get people into the bullet hell style of game that otherwise avoid it because everything looks like an R-type ship or, you know, whatever. And they're like, over it, I don't care about that. Um, Where I think this game could succeed is using its cool graphical style to get new people into this type of game who then appreciate it for its difficulty, right? Because we're at a renaissance of, or in the middle still of this renaissance of difficulty with the Souls games, something like Ori, even before that with Mega Man 9 and 10 coming out. Um, People have enjoyed, you know, getting blisters and breaking controllers again. So hopefully this game can do that. I do think there will be some people who might... (laughs) you know, pick this game up just kind of on a whim. Oh, I heard good things about it. And they buy it for their kid or, you know, their non gamer friend. And, uh, Ooh, I mean, it is T
0: U F F tough. Oh, what was the other game that you wanted to mention in this uh, context?
2: Well, you know, I fell in love with what Tom, um, Oh yeah. Which I think a lot of people didn't get to because it was sort of tucked away. I think it was in the Indiecade area of the show. um, is but that I, the
0: correct pronunciation? Did, did they school you on that? Uh, yeah, I. You know, a friend of mine
2: wrote a thing about it and had like a little pronunciation next to it. And I think <laughs> it was yeah, W A T T, and then he had a dash and then Tom, like you would call mm-hmm. someone' name. Um, okay. Let's go with Watam. Um,
0: this is from you, they, the
2: Katamari guy, right? Yeah, Keita, uh Takahashi. Right, um, and uh, and he's a personal favorite of mine. Just. Those Katamari Damacy games are some of my favorite ever, and uh, you know it's ludicrous. It looks ludicrous. I mean, you're uh, (laughs) you play a green like cube-headed little mayor with a bowler hat, and another one of those games. Another one of those bowler hat mayor games. um, (laughs) And the citizens have all been like cast out into the universe, because who knows why. And in order to bring them all back, you have to, like, stack the citizens who are on the world you're on up into a giant tower, like a totem pole. You climb to the top of this thing, and you detonate the bomb that you hide under your bowler hat, and it, this kind of rainbow explosion happens, and then you, like, add another level, and then all these new citizens come. And by citizens, I mean objects. They're, like, bipedal objects. You have flowers and sushi and turntables and uh, a toilet, and you can go to the bathroom in the toilet, and a little piece of defecation will walk around, and that'll be one of the <laughs> surprise people you find in this game. It's insane, it's an acid trip, and it's really cute and really fun. What I think is so cool about it, and this is really hard to get across until you play it, is that every one of these objects or people, and there's you know, many, many of these in the game, have their own soundtrack they each have their own little musical kind of ditty. And Mm. as you're playing and you're switching around to these different characters, it's keeping the tempo and it's kind of seamlessly moving in and out of these different jams that are like, you know, electronic and then a little metal thing and then a hip hop track. And it's just kind of whipping back and forth. And you're kind of creating the music as you're just organically playing the game. Um, Mm. And it's, it's matching the, the kind of character you are. So, it's really cool. It's, I, I sound crazy trying to explain this thing, but um, again, as I was saying at the beginning, I, I am most excited about things that I can't wrap my head around when I go to E3. I don't really care for like another Call of Duty. They're fine. Those games are going to be fine. And Uncharted 4, I'll play, and I'm excited for those for lots of reasons. But these kinds of games that I just I don't really understand, I don't totally know what I'm going to do, that's what I want to see at E3. And Watam was maybe top of the list in terms of just
0: baffling me. That's so cool. I think this year in particular was a high mark for games that are different. We certainly had games that are, you know, the kinds of things you would expect, but I thought there was so much more that was outside the box and so different and so interesting. And I think that that indie spirit has infected the the mainstream AAA developers as, as well, you know, stuff like um, Unravel from EA, of all people. It, uh-huh. it's, it's a really exciting trend, and I'm 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 agreeing with you that that these games are are really special, and and certainly we should keep our eye on them. Um, a couple of people in the uh, in the chat mentioned uh, Nintendo, as did you, Ben. Uh, Super Mario Maker. Uh, Christian and I were both pretty rough on our assessment of the Nintendo Direct press conference that uh, was the the beginning of of the show. And I have to say, uh, having had hands on with all of what Nintendo was showing. Uh, I had spent a lengthy amount of time up in their their booth. Uh, I'm much more positive about the things they were showing than I was having just seen the Nintendo Direct. The Nintendo Direct was was strange and, and didn't really have strong messaging, but the games themselves, as is usually the case with Nintendo, were really fun. Really fun. Um, Legend of Zelda Triforce Heroes is really fun. They found this clever way to create... A sense of communication among players, uh, you know, with these with these quick emoticons that you can tap on the bottom screen. Uh, the game looks and plays really cool, and I was most excited about Mario and Luigi Paper Jam. That game, that game is going to make me buy a new 3DS. I think I want to play that so bad. It looks so fun. I was playing it. There's little mini games when you get into the role playing game style combat scenarios. Uh, There's these little mini games that pop up where you're playing like racquetball and stuff in the middle of a combat sequence. Um, You control each of the characters, Mario, Luigi, and then Paper Mario, all at the same time. Each is assigned a button, so you are jumping or playing each of them all at the same time. And it creates all these wonderful little mini games where you have to, you know, figure out which guy is active or being attacked or attacking and then push his button. Uh, It's almost a little bit of a Simon Says, but... You know, it masked enough not to feel like that, and uh, that game was really exciting. I also was super impressed by Mario Maker. I, you know, I, I assumed that I knew what that game was all about, which is, hey, you got the Wii Pad there, make us make a, um, you know, a Mario level, and then play it. And I thought it was make something and then have fun, but they've really Nintendoized the making, which I was very surprised by, and the making itself is really fun. There's little shortcuts and things, uh, you know, you can just drag an item into a box and then it's inside that box. Or, you know, you take a, a turtle and you shake it with the stylus and it turns into a red turtle. So there's, it's actually kind of adding fun to the creation process, which I thought I didn't expect. And I, I didn't, hadn't seen anything like that before. I thought that was really, really cool. Um, yeah, and I, I think not- that, that vocabulary too, just, just to interject, the, I'm the same way with
2: like, when I see a game that's like a level designer, my eyes kind of glaze over and I'm like, nope, not going to have to, I don't, I mean, the little big planet's cool, but I'm not going to sit there for four hours, like drawing like little ropes and trying to train this level to, you know, drop the ball when you run over here. Like I don't have time for that. I, I, I'm glad people do, but I don't. And um, Mario maker is the first time I've seen one of these games where I was able to create a level and, 10 minutes, I was able to have fun creating the level. And because this is just mother's milk in terms of the visual language, you know what the block does, you know what the mushroom does, you know what this stuff does. It makes it so easy and fun to kind of immediately feel like a master level designer. You you feel like Miyamoto within 10 minutes. You're like, oh, now, wait a minute, hang on. Now, what if we put this, ooh, what if we put a plant here? Like, You get it immediately, and that's huge. And you don't get it until you play it.
0: And and there's no selecting stuff from a menu. There's no like, Oh, I want it's, you know, do you want to create a big version of this thing? Well, you drag a mushroom over to it and drop the mushroom on it and it turns it big. That's the language of Mario. Like it's so clever. All of those things. It doesn't feel like I'm inside a spreadsheet or an editor.
1: So Jeff, please know I love you. And I wish there were more gaming sites and, and just pop culture, fandom sites in general that were you, your voice. Um, I would consume all of them. um, but to be your foil, I tweeted you this. or Maybe it was a text. I don't recall. Uh, and I will stand by it and I will put my money where my mouth is. Um, lunch, the place of your choosing. If any of these games, this is an awkward Yoda sentence. If you buy and play. I want lunch play, in,
0: in Paris, France, but go ahead.
1: <laughs> perfect. Travel there is up to you and I will pay for the lunch. As I said, <laughs> uh, if you buy and play any of these Nintendo games, if you finish them, heck, I'll even say if you play it for more than five hours. They're, they had a bad showing. Paper Jam's not going to be great based on the past history of these uh, R- Mario RPGs that have just been uh, a, a superstar that's been wearing out. Mario Maker, dumb. It's really dumb. I'm sorry. You can't, they're not going to have clip sharing the way they had it on Mario Kart 8. Every step forward, Nintendo takes two steps back. And again, I say the most negative stuff about Nintendo on this show, but I also play and own the most Nintendo hardware of anyone on this show. And, and well,
0: I, I, I own the, the same amount games. of Nintendo hardware you have.
1: I play the games, and I sing their praises, and I stick with them, but it is so hard to be a Nintendo fan, and, and it this is one time where I need to call out your enthusiasm and just say that you will not play any of these games for more than five hours. Lunch, your choice, on <laughs> me. And if you play <laughs> I, for five hours and one minute, well played, sir. You suffered through four hours of crappiness that I would buy you
0: lunch. <laughs> I, I don't, I'm not excited to play with Mario Maker. I'm saying that they surprised me with what they showed, and I think it's going to be much more accessible and will be much more fun than I expected for people who are into that. I think it's, it's not a spreadsheet. It's not a, an editor. It doesn't feel like Photoshop. It's, it's a fun thing to do. Is it a thing I want to do? Probably not. I do want to play Paper Jam. That is legit. I think that game that game looks awesome. I do want to get a new 3DS just to play that. I think I will stick with it. But who knows? You know, I, I like shiny things and I get distracted quickly. Um, I also like lunch, so maybe I'll stick with it. Uh, I, I you know I I'm excited to see what people make with Mario Maker. I think it's going to be exciting to to see the the really creative people who do stick with it, what they can create. The thing I kept pressing them on and they avoided my question is, is there going to be a way for me to download Mario Maker levels onto my 3DS? Like, just let those be downloadable and let me play them on my 3DS. Because I think free, infinite Mario levels on your 3DS sounds like a really awesome way to make this a compelling product. But, you know, who knows if they'll do that. Uh, ben, what is your, what's your yeah. take on Nintendo?
1: moderate this (laughs) it
0: was in the the behind closed doors area when i was there too and he used the same demoer so we had a very similar experience
2: she was good she was extremely good good
0: at these games she kicked
2: my butt in mario tennis um which i thought actually was probably the most fun i had in that booth was playing mario tennis which is like it's just mario tennis but all right i'm on board um i think christian's right in his assessment that this was a terrible show for nintendo um I think that's hard to argue against. I, I didn't like their direct one bit. Um, the reason I didn't like it is because they they just they threw in the towel, and without throwing in the towel, uh, they are done with the Wii U. I mean, this is the end of the system. I mean, yeah. I think they introduced two new games in their uh, direct that were not previously announced Wii U games. Two. And one of them was that Amiibo Animal Crossing Mario Party disaster. Um and I mean, you can't you can't do that. You can't come to E3 and do that. You have to bring something. You have to bring some stuff out. You have to tell people and show people if you're still investing in this system. You have to show people that have bought it why they need to continue investing in your system. And I just don't think they did that at all. I think they're ready for the NX. I think they're ready for next year. I think they're already transitioning all their internal development to the NX. Um, it's pretty clear that really Zelda is the last big thing after you know 2015 that they've got. And, uh, and who knows if that'll even make it out on the Wii. This might be a twilight princess situation where we see that on whatever the NX is. Um, that being said, I think, uh, as a lot of people in the chat are sort of mentioning, you know, Nintendo games are fun. They're just, they're stupid fun. And even though they sometimes aren't reaching very far, and sometimes they aren't games, as Christian points out, you're going to play for longer than five hours. Some of those four-hour games are some of the best four hours you're going to play over the course of the year. Like, they're smooth and polished when they put their mind to it, and they have a place in your collection for a reason. Like, Splatoon, um, you know, I, I, I played a lot of. I mean, there's a lot of problems, for sure, with some of that multiplayer matchmaking and some of the... Obvious misses there. But just the core idea and the way it works is fun and I and I like it. Um and I thought they brought a, a decent showing on the 3DS at least. And I think, you know, whether it was the RPG game or the Zelda game, I didn't spend any time with the Metroid Prime thing because I don't get that at all. Um
0: <laughs> Yeah, neither did I, to be honest but, with you.
2: But I mean, you know, we know the 3DS is going to still be around and and that system's been doing well and they want to support the new one. Um but I just feel like They really tried to pull the wool over everyone's eyes by just kind of poo-pooing the NX, saying, oh, we're going to talk about it next year, here's a bunch of stuff, and then just having nothing. I mean, we haven't talked about Star Fox, which I played at length. Uh, I played through six different levels, and even after about a half an hour to 45 minutes of playing it, I was still uncomfortable not knowing what screen to look at. The controls are a mess. It's not good.
0: It's not good. And
2: that's a big problem. That's their biggest game this holiday, and that's a big problem.
0: Yeah, I I completely agree with you. Star Fox was a massive disappointment for me. I she kept saying hold the hold the Wiimote up horizontal to the or uh, parallel to the screen, and I went I, I I'm sore. I don't I don't want to do that. I don't. That's not comfortable or fun. Or why am I looking at this tiny screen when the big pretty screen? I don't know. Um, yeah. <sighs> Nintendo. Well, let's uh, let's take a little break. I w- I do want to transfer into VR. I know VR is very divisive in the audience. People uh, get annoyed with me talking too much about VR, but it was a big part of what I did at the at E3. I know it's a big part of what Ben did at E3, and it's a big part of the future of gaming, in my opinion. So we're going to devote some time to it. Let me thank our second sponsor first. It's MetaCDN. Uh, MetaCDN gives you enterprise level live streaming at an entry level price. MetaCDN's super fast network makes it you can stream crisp HD video. Their global coverage of broadcast nodes and publishing points ensures that MetaCDN streams have a very low latency. This allows you to engage with your user base in real time. Their players are not only fully customizable, but completely unbranded and mobile compatible. What happens if you have an increase in viewers in one month? Well, don't worry. Your leftover credits just just rolled over into the next month. MetaCDN cares about the protection of your content So they give you the power to restrict your live streams to certain website domains. You can also serve pre-recorded videos through their content delivery network with no buffering. And to top all that off, they give you detailed analytics and just so much more. So visit MetaCDN.com slash 5x5 and use the code 5x5 for 10% off. And that's a discount for life. They'll give you 10% off for the life of your business with MetaCDN. It's MetaCDN.com slash 5x5 and that promo code 5x5. Okay, um, Christian, before we get to VR, is there anything else you want to you talk about before we get into an area that I know that you're not super excited for?
1: Well, I, I when we get into the area, I will say my piece on VR. Um, there are so many great games at this show, and so just quick, quick things that I want to rattle off, and if people want to dive a little deeper, we can, but this will just be a, a mini monologue here, potentially. Ratchet and Clank reboot coming out at that underappreciated $40 price point. Looks incredible. I think also maybe suffers from, well, it looked that great on the PS3. No, it didn't. (laughs) This looks awesome. Played tight. Uh, Insomniac, I feel like, got back to the roots of what Ratchet and Clank is and was, again, in this vertical slice. Um, Be excited for that game if you like those types of games. Uh, Star Wars Battlefront. Holy moly, Jeff, I think you said it's just kind of a skin on Battlefront. I I disagree. I think it's more than that. I think the lasers fire different than guns fire. I think um, the game will be a little bit more competitive because of that with um, how lasers take people down versus a sniper from across the range. Again, uh, it's kind of like the Street Fighter thing. There will be pros that will be better than me at this game. But I think this game could be a huge, huge, huge seller for the people that only play one to two games a year to the kids that are watching Star Wars on Disney XD Looks beautiful. It still blows my mind that this is on, uh, you know, PS4, Xbox One. And I thought the sound design, again, extraordinary. It's a multiplayer shooter, but I think that hype is real. And then the last one to kind of do a, a whiz-bang um, coverage on. People wanted to know about Forza 6. I spent time with that. The new additions there are kind of the night mode and rain mode and, you know, puddling on the track. Um It's tough because Forza 6 is great. Forza always handles really well. They make a competent racer. I don't think from what I played, they're handling wet the right way. And it's weird because sim racing games, Jeff, you had mentioned, you know, what kind of keeps you from driving games in general is you don't have that seat of your pants feeling. And it's really hard to capture that. Like when you're driving and you hide your plane you immediately know what it is, right? You might not be yeah. a competent driver and know how to respond. I know what it is because
0: of the, because of the poop that just landed in my pants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it isolates the seat in your pants. <laughs> uh,
1: but you know that feeling. And, and this game being a sim racer handles it, it, it. You don't get that feeling. It doesn't convey a feeling of hydroplane to you. It, it almost feels like um, you just lose control and you don't know why. And I almost think that To date, arcade racers have handled wetness better. I think even the Much Maligned Drive Club handles wetness better in that it's more of a hybrid sim arcade, and and you're able to really push the back end out and over-exaggerates it, but that, I think, conveys that feeling to you, Um, the player. Hopefully, Forza they can tweak it. They've always had great tire modeling, but to me, it felt as if I was just kind of driving and then for a split second, you know, oops, Oh, going again it almost felt like a glitch more than it felt like I drove through a puddle um, which disappointed me a little bit but again I'm sure the game will be great um, and then the very very last this isn't a game I don't think it's worth the money per se but hot diggity dang that Microsoft Elite controller oh it's beautiful the paddles are dope it feels great um, I think look for that when it goes on sale on Black Friday or something if you can find it for like 80 bucks Maybe, yeah. I know, Jeff, you played with it too, but yeah. wow, I was really impressed with the feel of that controller.
0: Yeah, it's nice. It's very, very nice. I agree, 150 is it seems a little extreme, but um, it, you, you certainly see the quality and the customizability is is impressive as well. Um, yeah. Yeah, one quick word just
2: about, just before we go on, uh, about Battlefront. I wanted to get your guys' temperature on this. Uh, when I was playing it, I found that. Um, I was a little frustrated in the new way that they set up vehicles where you have to like find an icon in the on the map, and then you like, if you find that icon before anybody else, then boom, you're like magically in a snow speeder. And right. I was playing that hot level where I was, you know, running around in the like rebel base where they have all these snow speeders parked, and I'm in these like firefights with stormtroopers, and all I want to do is climb into one of these snowspeeders that's parked in the snowspeeder garage, but that's not how you get the, uh, the vehicles. I, I wish they just went back to the old you know, battlefield way of like, there's a vehicle you can hop in it. Um, right. Did you I guys agree. feel that same thing? Yeah, definitely. I,
1: I think it's an animation difficulty that makes it like showing you getting in. How do those things open? What does the cockpit look like? How does one climb into all of those vehicles? I mean, I think it's a cheat, but I, I think that's kind of why it was done.
2: Yeah, I was baffled. I I couldn't figure it out, and I was just getting mowed down. And like these adapt, you know, walkers are like just destroying yeah. all of us. And I'm running around like I can't do any. Oh, look, an icon forty five yards away, and now boom! I'm like toe you know, cabling this thing. I thought that was a little awkward. People are gonna that's gonna be a rough one for people to get used to. I think.
0: I agree, man. I I love looking at that game. I just don't have much fun playing it. But that's because I never was a big Battlefield guy anyway. It's not really my jam. I did have a lot of fun playing the Halo 5 multiplayer, uh, Warzone. I thought that was a really cool way to reinvent their multiplayer. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not huge into first-person shooter multiplayer games. Uh, but the fact that it felt more like Titanfall, which is a game I played a lot of, because y- you really have options as to different things you can do. You can go... You know, kill a AI monster that's really big, and that actually contributes to your team winning the match. So I'm not just having to fight other people all the time and get sniped and kind of keep running into the fray. There's options and angles and different places to go. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, that looked good. Uh, all right, so all that is uh, that all was the appetizer to what I consider the main course, which is uh, <laughs> VR. And um, you know, one of, a lot of the stuff that I was tweeting at the show ran along the lines of, I just don't understand. I can understand people being cynical about new technologies, having gone through connect and WeeWaggle waggle and 3d televisions and what have you. But I can't imagine anybody who has actually put on one of these goggles, not completely believing that it's the future of gaming or a future of gaming because the experience is so different it's not a 3D television. It's not connect. It's not Waggle. It's not a gimmick, in my opinion. It really does take something that you know and give you a fundamentally new, more immersive experience that I think is pretty addictive. Um, what's your take, Ben? Well, I'm going to be breaking the first
2: rule of VR Club, which is... <laughs> <laughs> not to talk about VR with people who haven't actually worn a VR headset. <laughs> it's so true. Because you sound crazy. I mean, yeah. you—not just you personally, Jeff. You do sound crazy, but I sound crazy too. And I've, <laughs> I've written about Oculus experiences and Morpheus experiences, and I sound like a lunatic. I'm like, oh, you didn't the shark, but it's really a twenty foot long shark, and I turned around, and there it was. And it's hard to get this message across. Um, it's impossible to get this message across. You really need to put the headset on, screw up your hair for the day, and <laughs> and just dive into one of these things. And if it's a good one, if you luck out and you have a good Rift experience or a good Morpheus experience, it is transformative. I completely agree. Um, I don't know how the hell they're going to sell any because it's, it just doesn't make sense. They're going to have to have it at Best Buy and they're going to have to have like Basically, some unbelievable germ killer that they spray in this thing so everyone doesn't like, get freaked out about Pink Eye. Um, but you're right that it's totally the future. I don't think it's a gimmick. The the experience with Oculus in particular, and I mean, Morpheus had a good show as well, but the experience with yeah. Oculus at this show, uh, you did you do the Oculus Touch thing? I think you did because you tweeted it. I sure I, did, man. I sure holy, did. Holy, holy moly. I mean, that was – I don't know if I lucked out. Um, no pun intended. Well, maybe that was a pun intended. Uh, I, I actually did it with Palmer Lucky. Um, oh wow! Yeah, he was in the like other room, and I'm in this one room. And they put this headset on my head and give me the Oculus Touch controllers. And we're in this toy box, and I'm looking in this VR space at these blocks and you know slingshots and fireworks and just kind of VR representations of these things. And there's another head in there, uh, and that's Palmer. And I'm also looking at his hands, mm-hmm. and he's grabbing bricks and handing them to me, and I'm reaching out and grabbing them. And we spend like 15 minutes just playing in this world. We're shooting yeah. off fireworks, we're shooting off uh, uh, guns at like targets, and we're just like bouncing balls around at each other. And and I mean, I, I, I'm I'm not he's not there. I mean, he's he's in another right. room. I'm just standing there by myself, looking crazy. But we're we're talking. We're having a real experience together. And, and, and I'm doing it with my hands. And those controllers, which are prototype, they're not finished yet, they melted away. I mean, I have to, after yeah. maybe five, ten minutes, I, I wasn't even thinking about the controls. I was just sort of, okay, I reach and I grab. And that is so powerful and so impossible to tell people about. Again, I sound like if when I'm going to listen to this back, I feel like I'm going to sound like a, a raving idiot for the last minute and a half. Because well, um, it's, it's so hard to get it across. But if you've done it, you're like, wow, man, it's a game changer.
0: Yeah, yeah. You, you never have to worry about sounding like the most raving of the idiots when you're on a show with me. So, Because I cause <laughs> I will rave. Uh, it, it's, it's the holodeck. It's the, the holodeck. promise of the holodeck. Like, you like are, you are in, in this physical, physical, physical space, space that isn't that real. It's, it, it's amazing. And as you said, the controllers melt away. Uh, there are sensors on the controller. So the controller is strapped to the back of your hand, so you can't drop it. And there are sensors that recognize when you lift your thumb or lift your index finger or lift, lift the rest of your fingers. So you can, you see the hands in front of you behave just like your hands are behaving in the real world. And when you grab something, your hand in the real world is wrapping around this controller. So you actually have the physical sensation of touch. So like you said, everything just behaves as you expect it to. So when you pick up a ping pong paddle and a ping pong ball and you throw the ping pong ball in the air and then you hit the ping pong paddle, hit the ball with the ping pong paddle it it just works or you use a slingshot it just works or there's a hanging tether ball in the virtual space and you reach out and punch it it just works and everything behaves as you expect it to which is this incredibly transformatory sort of uh, immersive experience and then they start messing with reality so <laughs> You have this thing that it feels very real, like, oh, I can play with blocks and you feel like a five-year-old kid and you're having, I was giggling and having a great time with tossing things back and forth. And it's like, oh my God, you can recreate the real world. And then you, they go, oh, wait, now we can turn off gravity or now I'll shoot you with a shrink ray and you get shrunk down and now you're standing on the table and everything's giant around you and you start to understand, oh my God. Anything is possible here, and the level of immersion isn't just creating a one-to-one reality. It's being able to go, oh, we can give you any experience we want. And you it really feels like it's happening. Um I mean, it 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 was the promise of that Star Trek holodeck that I've always dreamed about since I watched Next Generation as a kid. It's amazing. Yeah, I, but- I agree. It's amazing. But but yeah, it's it's a it's it's still in its infancy.
2: It requires um, a down payment on a house for a computer uh, that's going to run this stuff. Which <laughs> and which a is why room. you need a room in your house like this. Yeah, you need a, a pretty a pretty good you know space to to do it. Although I did you know play some other Rift games where it was in a smaller space and it and it, it still sort of works okay. Um, but this this to me is why the Morpheus stuff is actually in a way better because you know that it's going to work on your PlayStation Four. You you don't need all this extra hardware um you still might need some extra space and those move controllers compared to the oculus touch are like nowhere near it's you know who knows even if you have move controllers but at least you already have the system that can probably run it and unless you're a pretty heavy pc gamer you might not have a rig to to use to use the rift Um, and some of those rift or sorry some of those morpheus demos that london getaway one that was pretty awesome i mean shooting things in the car i thought that was great you did that one too right
0: I did. uh, That one was the one where I walked out of it going, oh, games that we make now will work here and will feel different. And the reason is, um, so basically you're in this car uh, getting away from a heist and you're sitting there in the getaway car. You turn your head to the right. The, the driver who looks like Jason Statham and talks like Jason Statham is telling you you're, you're getting away. You can mess with stuff. You can you know flip the sun visor down using the two move controllers you have in your hand. You can mess with the radio. You can open the car door while you're driving if you want. Uh, and then, uh, you, you know, motorcycles and SUVs pull up next to you and start shooting at you. And the driver throws you an Uzi. And you grab the Uzi with one of the... Move controllers, and you can toss it back and forth between hands. Um, and there's this duffel bag of of uh, clips on your right, just at where this sort of the the emergency brake is in the car. And you're shooting through the window, shooting at these bad guys who are trying to take you down. And then eventually you run out of ammo. And it's not press X to reload. It's not some canned reload animation. You literally have to take a clip with one hand, pick it up, and put it in the bottom of the gun. But the thing that was so incredible is that at a certain point, I got to the point where I wasn't looking down at the duffel bag. I was just reaching with my right hand, grabbing the clip and putting it in and continuing to shoot. I was so present in that physical space that I no longer, you know, in any other video game, you'd have to turn your perspective, push E to pick up clip, you know, turn your perspective back to your gun. I was just in that physical environment. I wasn't looking down. I was just reaching there, grabbing the clip, and continuing to fight. It was amazing. Amazing. I did the same thing, and and I had the same sort of
2: moment where I was. I didn't realize I was doing it, and then I, I kind of said it out loud, like, "I'm not looking at the bag anymore. I'm just loading this gun up with clips." and And I would yeah. look down and like just to test it, like, "Am I actually grabbing a clip, or is it just?" You know, recognizing my motion and just reloading the gun, and I would look down and like, sure enough, yeah, there'd be the clip. It's still in my hand, and then I'd put it in the gun. Like, it was, it was really, really cool. There are moments when you play in these VR spaces, um, and we haven't even talked about third-person stuff, which I think yeah. is really the killer app here because those are games, those are games that are like, you already know how a you know Banjo Kazooie kind of game or a Super Mario sixty four is going to work. Uh, you think you do. And then you play it in VR and you're like, oh, this is a totally new way of playing it. And it's totally cool. You don't get the, um, the you know, the the nausea that sometimes people experience when they're doing VR in first person um, because you're just sort of a camera. And it's super cool. I, I mean, Christian, I, I, I've, I've heard you not be a, a huge um, fan of this or you have a lot of doubts, but did you spend any time with any of this gear on your head at the show?
1: very little i got uh i did not make pre show appointments and then um as, as i said i had a infant with a, a low fever on the, on the last day but i got a little tan, heads on time with morpheus and I, I i so i mean this is the future it's just this iteration is not i mean it is the future eventually but where we are now isn't it what, what, or where we're going to be in 2 years isn't it like my future is the the best I see it is like those dorky oakley sunglasses that every baseball player wore in the nineties um that then it you know whatever fold over <laughs> and they kind of covered your whole face and then they're like transition lenses where they're a r glasses they're hollow lens fully realized during times and then they can entirely black out and become a fully immersive v r headset later that has all of your games streaming from the cloud somehow, and that's how you're interacting with it and you know that's Crazy talk, but is that crazy talk fifteen years from now? Crazy talk? Like you know, we 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 might we might be there. Like Morpheus is is this huge, huge, huge thing that is, I would say, surprisingly comfortable on your head for how huge it is. And it, it it demos really well, but I don't know if this is the thing that I'm wearing for four hours, five hours as I sit down and play you know, VR Witcher or VR, whatever the equivalent of that deep engrossing game is. Um, or you put on this thing and you use those the the cool controllers that Oculus is showing and and sit in this world for hours and hours and hours. I I don't I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I believe the I, proof I of concept say, is there, but
0: go ahead. I think I think I think there will be a fair amount of mini games that are you know, reminiscent of the sort of Waggle era. But Ben hit the nail on the head. The third-person demos that I did were regular video games. They were regular third- the Edge of Nowhere, Insomniac's Edge of Nowhere, is, for all intents and purposes, basically a Tomb Raider game, or at least what they showed, or an Uncharted, right? You're you're behind a guy, your, your camera is following him, it just happens to be your head, and he's running through this arctic environment, leaping over chasms, doing that stuff that I do in normal video games, but simply the fact that I am in that environment with him and that when he leaps over a chasm, I look down and I have the physical sensation that I'm looking down 200 feet below me. It is different. I'm telling you, it is It is new, it is exciting, it is a thrill on a level I've never had in a video game. I had the sensation that I'm hovering that height in the air as my guy dangles precariously from a rope ladder. Did you do that one, Ben? Oh yeah, I did. And and I
2: didn't really get it at first because it was like when I was mo- he was moving, but I wasn't moving him. And I'm like, am I going to turn into this guy? Like, how is this going to work? It was a weird demo. But when you, you're right, that moment where he kind of is clinging to this rope and he has this like little flare in his hand and he drops it and you yeah. kind of follow this flare down and you're, you know, you're, your head, your body is moving and you're kind of leaning over and you realize, oh my God, it's like 200 yards down and monsters are now crawling out of this pit at me who you know this guy? But I'm staring down there the way he is, and then you start kind of nudging back up this rope, and you start running away from them. And as he's running, I'm looking behind myself. Yeah, you know, yeah. I'm turning around, and I yeah. see these monsters that like, are like behind me. Like your your body is turning around to see the monsters. Yeah. Um, it, it, there's something that's happening. This connection of your physicality, like your personal physicality and these virtual experiences, these horrors, these monsters coming at you or a great white shark or even just delightful things like, you know, a tether ball or whatever uh, that you've just never experienced as a gamer before. I mean, they tried it in like the late 90s with those like crappy pterodactyl shooting giant VR chambers that you would be in at the arcade or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But they've never done it like this before. And, And I agree that, you know, Christian, that, you know, in, yeah, in 15 years or in 20 years, we're gonna have hopefully they're not Oakley's. Hopefully they'll be Ray Bans or something a little cooler than Oakley's. Um, <laughs> blue blockers. But yeah, we'll have blue blockers and we'll we'll be able to not feel so goofy with a giant headset on. Uh, it's gotta start somewhere, and I think this is further along than people think. I think people think it's gonna be a lot lamer, and when they put on one of these headsets and get one of those experiences, whichever one it is, I mean any of the many we've spoken about. Um they're going to be all in and want this experience right now, even though it's going to get better. It's almost like that first iPhone. I mean, you look back at that first iPhone and and its limitations. I remember bitching about how terrible of a phone it was. Like, why would anybody buy this? This is like the worst phone in the world. Like my phone, which was like a Helio Ocean or something, which was not very good. You know, at least my phone works better as a phone. Um, But, you know, Apple's and Android, in turn, has, has proven us wrong that smartphones is exactly where we were going. And I think yeah. this is like the first iPhone. So do you need to get it right away like the first iPhone? Probably not. Um, and when the price starts coming down, we don't know the prices yet, but eventually they'll, they'll be more affordable. Uh, I, I think it's amazing. And as an early adopter and somebody who's interested in, in watching tech happen and watching it grow, I'm, I'm thrilled for this stuff. It was really cool at the show.
1: Ben, I yeah, think
2: we—sorry, Jeff, ahead. go ahead.
1: No, you, you. Uh, What what you said about the iPhone thing, I think, transitioned nicely into one of my potential concerns with this is, you know, you put it on and you become uh, wowed and converted by this experience. And it's something like you've never done before. And it's so incredible and so amazing. Is it, though? And does it remain
0: (laughs) so? (laughs) But is it? But my question, though, is all that stuff you said, is it? Is it? Is it though? But really? Is it anything more than that? I have one retort to your enthusiasm. (laughs) Really? Really? (laughs) Yeah. And I mean that sincerely because you
1: get an iPhone and you're blown away by it. And now it's just everyday expectation and it's no better or worse than what it was. And at what point do we does VR just become this thing? And then once it is the thing, is it still cool for? gaming is it something that we look back on and we're like I need this this is the only way I play games um, I can't believe we played games before this or is it because i mean, what you're describing right now and I know that I, I play the resident uh, cynic on VR um, but what you're describing right now is a gimmick that's all no, you're dude describing. I think
0: I think you're misunderstanding at least you're misunderstanding my position.
1: am I <laughs> but really
0: <laughs> <Is he>? um, <laughs> you can't argue <laughs> with that logic um, but my am I? my, my I'm I'm describing a, a gee whiz Wow factor that I'm having, but I don't. It's not just I'm wowed. It's not just a uh, a new thrill. It's I from my perspective. It's a realization that this is something fundamentally different, and that going forward, it's going it's going to give me experiences that are that are not just like wow. It's it's like I'm in that world. I'm experiencing that world in a whole new way. I think this is a long-lasting technological change. I don't think this is just, oh my god, I've never looked down 200 feet before. It's I'm recognizing that now. I expect to feel present in these places. That just observing Laura Croft or Lara Croft uh, leaping on a 2D plane on my monitor is going to feel less than from now on. It's not. It's not just oh. 3D in the movie theater makes it sometimes works and sometimes doesn't. It's, I'm, when I turn my head, I look to that corner of the world. It, that is a fundamentally different kind of gameplay experience.
2: Yeah. I mean, I might, I might sound, uh, or regret what I'm about to say, um, <laughs> <laughs> which is always a great way to preface something you're going to say. Um, <laughs> but like, you know, Google showed off their cardboard VR, which is kind of garbage. Uh, at their google i o thing it's just it 's not very it 's not very good um however they they mentioned there that they 're going to be you know sending this to schools um it 's very affordable to make with really cheap phones and they can kind of get it working it 's not you know oculus level you know it 's not like an incredible screen or anything but one of the use cases is that Teachers can now say, hey, we're going to go to the Grand Canyon, and we're going to look at some of the wildlife or whatever. And everyone in the class can put one of these things on and feel like they're there, like for travel, for different use cases of really experiencing an environment, whether it's in an educational sense like that or whether it's just pure entertainment or whether it's used by a travel bureau to get you to come to Bali or whatever. Um there is huge movement here and this is a movement. It's not just two companies making some goofy peripherals. I think there's a lot of money and a lot of investment. I mean, this is Facebook now with Oculus. Like there's a lot of people who are interested in the many uses of VR. And I think it just happens that because I work in games, I'm seeing the game part of it a lot. Um, so will it change games forever? I think it will change games forever in the way that that, that mobile gaming has. So in some ways, it'll be cooler and better. Like, I can play, you know, Transistor now on my iPhone. That's cool. I can be at the bank and play really cool games. I, I Has it changed me as a gamer? Not really. I still like to sit down and play games in other ways. Um, but it's changed the landscape of gaming, for sure. And it's brought in a lot of new people who are now gamers. Um, and I think VR is going to sort of have a, a similar... Uh, effect on the industry, which is like not, not, and not right away because it's going to be expensive and it's going to be hard to get into. But I, I think that over time, as Jeff has sort of mentioned, everything else is going to look a little lamer and you know, that as that keeps going and as it gets more affordable, I just think this is going to in some ways be a new normal. Um, Maybe again in, in ten years, I listen back to this, and uh, I am destitute for my terrible <laughs> observations, and I am no longer uh, employable because I'm totally wrong. But but it just feels like there's too many companies, too many tech companies, too much money here. This isn't just three D. Like oh, it makes it a little neat when you watch your your, your movie now. It it feels like there's a, a much bigger movement here, uh, and it's happening fast.
1: OLED, like this is that level of innovation.
2: Yeah, this is like this is like curved <laughs> OLED, like like hundred inch screen. That's what it is. <laughs>
0: um, I, 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 we'll wrap this up, and I just want to mention one other experience that I had. I, I uh, the other third person game that I played was this uh, game or demo or whatever it is called Chronos. I don't know if you played that, Ben, but um, I thought what was so smart about that it, it was like a fantasy hack and slash sword and sorcery type game. It um, actually reminded me a little of Eco and all, it, it, sort of visually. Giant, giant castle that you're exploring. Um, uh, the thing that they did that was so interesting, interesting, and I think it it points to the fact that developers are just figuring this out and trying all these new interesting things. Is they they use the camera the same way the old Resident Evil games did, where in Resident Evil you, you know your character would walk through a door and then the camera would cut to like the camera's in the upper left corner and you're looking down, and then you walk you know you walk around a corner and now the camera is on the ground looking up. Um, they did that. But in VR, so it felt like your your head is like sitting on the shelf and you can look around, you can rotate your head and the camera rotates, but it never never moves. It doesn't move with the character. The character can walk closer to your head or farther away from your head. And if you walk through a door, you're you cut to the next room and now you're stationary in one spot. You can rotate your head around and see the different angles. But I thought that was so interesting and so effective and it. I mean, there's no nausea from that because you're not floating around and moving. You're just observing this room and controlling a character in it. So interesting. And just, you know, these are the kinds of things that are happening that people are experimenting with these new things. It's, it's, we're right on the cusp. We're at the, the tip of the iceberg here. Um, we'll we'll wrap up the show with some other things. Anybody in the chat room right now, if there's games we haven't talked about, I'd love to just end the show with a few quick hits of games that you guys haven't heard us talk about because there's lots more we all saw. But I do need to thank our third sponsor, and that's Hover. Uh, When you have a great idea and you want to secure a uh, domain name for it, you want something catchy and memorable to represent your online identity. With Hover, you'll find the perfect domain to bring your idea to life. It's easy. Just search for the domain you want or enter a few keywords and Hover will show you the best available options and suggestions. They have a huge variety of domain extensions like .com, .net, .io, and country codes to best suit your needs. You'll get a smart control panel, built-in DNS, and you can even add custom email or Google apps if you want. Hover does offer valet transfer service to make it as easy as possible to move your domains for no additional cost, and they do all the dirty work to move your domain over from your current registrar. And to top it all off, Hover has human beings, real human beings, available for support with no wait, no hold, no transfer phone service. If you've got any problems, you just pick up the phone, you call, and you talk to a person. So head over to Hover.com slash 5 by 5 to learn more and get the domain of your dreams. Thanks to Hover for supporting the show. And um, that is Hover.com, H-O-V-E-R.com slash 5 by 5 Okay, so are there any... Chat room suggestions of anything people want to talk about. Uh, Uncharted four demo blew me away. Um, I, uh, I we what you saw in the in the press conference, everybody is like the first third of it, and I was saying it, I think the full version is the is one of the best action sequences I've seen in any medium. It is it's perfectly p- paced. There's this wonderful explosion of action, and then this sort of constrained tension moment where he's trapped underneath the jeep and a fire breaks out and then we're back into action again it's just the pacing is thrilling and amazing and the level of of inventiveness of what happens in that action sequence is unreal so there's that um, what else guys what else is in here that people want to hear about Horizon, Ben, did, it, ben, yeah, ben yeah. did you get hands on
1: with Horizon
2: uh, that, I did you in, I did well it was in the same context that you know, I had hands-on with Last Guardian, which is I climbed a thing. And in Horizon, I walked around. So it works <laughs> if you can walk around. Um, but I didn't, like, have, like, the big battle with the, what was it called? Not the Tyrant, the robotic Tyrannosaurus, which was called, like, a, they had a crazy name for it. And they kind of went in, at least the demo I was in, I, I imagine you guys saw this as well. They kind of talked about all the different points on this giant, monster robot that you can blow off like you can you know chip away at its armor in different ways and you can kind of depending upon where you shoot it you can kill it quicker because you can get to its core faster but there's 97 different ways to kill this thing it's not just like aim at its giant red glowy bit until it stops moving it's actually feels like you have to kind of tear this thing apart is it Um, by
1: uh is it like your parents or many ways you can blow it off like And then you destroy it by not going to dinner with it, not calling
2: your mom back. Uh. Yeah, totally. You could just like forget to be there on time, you you know, accidentally make plans to kill another monster. Um. Uh, Another
1: text from RoboDino. No, I'm not. (laughs) Coming over, Dad. God,
2: <laughs> totally. Uh, yeah, someone in the chat here called it Thunderjaw. I think that is Thunderjaw. Um, oh yeah, Thunderjaw. Thunderjaw. Um, I really, yeah, I, I did play it a little bit. I I, I really like that demo. I think what people it That's seems awesome. to resonate so much with people is its sort of duality with this, you know, kind of tribal meets mm-hmm. future robots, and it's set like you know, whatever thousands of years in the future or something. So it's it feels really. um, you know, cloud Atlas sort of detached from any tethering to what we're dealing with now. And there's something about yeah. that kind of super far off sci-fi that you're like excited. Cause it, they could just do whatever they want, like introduce anything they want to this world and, and it's game. Uh, so yeah, I was excited about it, but I also right now, all they've really shown is like fighting this big thing. I mean, there's going to be a crafting system in cities and they kind of showed some concept art with some cities. I would have liked to have seen some of that to get a better feel for the, the gameplay loop. Um, as opposed to just blowing up a Thunderjaw, but that was a pretty cool. Thunderjaw, for sure. One of
0: the one of the games that everybody was talking about, and a lot of people in the chat room have brought up that I did not get to see, but everybody was was buzzing about, uh, was the uh, Platinum Transformers. Did you have a chance to see that? I did. I saw that in action. I can't tell if that's a downloadable
2: game or if they're really going to sell it at retail because it uh, it's a brawler. Um, hmm. You know, it feels kind of like a. I don't want to call it a fighting game, but um, uh, I, I a good analogy eludes uh, uh, me right now. It's got a little of a power stone kind of run around and you know, oh, jump wow. in the air, and, and a lot of you know fight, 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 and it, you know kind of like big combos and stuff. There's also they're baking the transforming into that that combo. So as you're Optimus Prime and you're like beating up a Decepticon like Soundwave, and they all look like the cartoon, the '80s cartoon. So it's definitely. Yeah you know, speaking to a very specific
0: kind of an age of gamer. I think that's why everybody's excited about it, honestly. It's like, <laughs> oh, the Transformers, the way they're supposed to look. <laughs> right, right. And it does. It definitely, like,
2: it pops right out at you. Like, this is, it's also got the same voices, you know, what's his name doing, Optimus, and the other guy doing, I, I yeah. can't bring their names. It's post-E3, I can't remember details. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I think it's going to be good. I just, I don't know how... Um, big it is it feels a little small it feels like it might be a a better $20 download than like you know a $60 retail game but it it looks pretty and it's platinum so it's goofy as well
0: yeah um any other ones in here that people are interested in uh king's quest looked awesome um oh Oh, just cause three i you know i'm i'm not i'm sort of an outspoken critic of Just Cause 2. I didn't really like that game very much, but man, Just Cause 3 looks crazy fun! Uh, It it harkens back to Red Faction Guerrilla, which is a game I loved um, to me, because the level of destructibility and the craziness, it it just seems so well executed this time, and I hope that it all of the gameplay that I saw at the show um, translates into a fun experience and and not sort of what I experienced with Just Cause 2, which was a little more frustrating. any have anything from you Christian that uh, you wanted to throw on the pile?
1: I think Hitman could be a real a real treat. I think kind of Square Enix is in this place where they could have a, all of their games seem like no one had super super megaton hype levels behind the reveals, but I think they all could be I mean Tomb Raider was the strongest I feel like, but again they're kind of falling in this expected um, place, which isn't a bad place to be. But I think Hitman could maybe end up being a, a stealth um, runaway uh, stealth uh, a surprise hit. Um, I, I think it's interesting how they're going about the release where it's kind of coming out. And then it, I think they they didn't say the words they're selling it as a, as a platform or as a service. But I mean, they talked a lot about the game comes out and then there's constantly new missions. And uh, there will be a time where, you know, this person is now a target there, you're hit. And that person will only be a target and a hit and available to kill in the world for this time period. And once they're dead, they're dead. Or if you miss that time period, you never get to go back and do it. Um, Which I think brings some interesting stuff to the Hitman world. So I think that game, if it plays like a Hitman game and delivers on the things that they're trying to add to the series, could be uh, a really strong contender for a game that sneaks up on people.
0: Cool. Uh, Again, like Firewatch and The Fire and the Flood are games that I'm super excited about. I think I mentioned those last week. Um, somebody in the chat here, uh, Elinich said he was a little, or she was a little disappointed with, um, Tomb Raider. I did not see that. I saw the extended demo of, of Term- Tomb Raider it looks awesome. They're doubling down on the survival stuff with that game. It looked rad. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people you know, are are not talking about Deus Ex, and I I thought the demo oh, yeah. Deus
2: Ex was really good. And I'm I'm kind of an old biased like I like the first one. I like Warren Specter. Give me the Warren Specter game again. Like I'm grumpy with the new you know the the, the reboot they they put out a, a year or two a couple years ago. This new one, Mankind, Mankind divided, is that what it's called? Um, yeah. Holy moly, it's awesome. Yeah, it looks amazing. It's yeah. running really smoothly, tons of different ways to like augment your guy. You can actually play stealth or action, and it works both ways equally, at least it looked like in the demo. That was a great demo and got very, very little coverage from the show because it was sort of overshadowed by so many other big shooters. But it looks yeah, great.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I, and I think that of the third parties, I think Square Enix really had the strongest showing. They had so many great games on display. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was very impressed with them. All right, guys. So we're going to wrap up our E3 coverage this year. Uh, man, what an incredible year! What a great time! And thank you so much, Ben Silverman, for being here and and lending your expertise to to our show. Uh, always love having you. But man, it was awesome hearing your insights as well. Thanks a lot. Yeah, anytime. Oh, uh, uh, let's uh, let's wrap this up. It was a great year. I'm I'm sad to not talk E3 anymore. It, you know, but now we got awesome games next week. Of course, we'll be talking about. Uh, batman more and and lots of things to look forward to as the year progresses so we'll be back here at our usual time 11 a.m pacific time if you want to listen live thanks to everybody in the chat oh let's talk about um where we can follow your exploits ben Where, where can people follow you
2: well, if they uh, slum it over at Yahoo, some of my coverage will be appearing there at games.yahoo.com and in a few other spots. I also uh, have some stories up on Yahoo Tech. Uh, and uh, I ramble at Ben Silverman on Twitter. There's another Ben Silverman there, the really, really famous one. Uh, he might just be Ben Silverman. So if you want to learn about like The Office and Revelé Productions, <laughs> uh, I think that would be the guy to follow. Uh, but if you want geeky <laughs> video game stuff, Ben silverman on twitter and i'm not instagramming i'm done with the instagram so i'm just really
0: twittering <laughs>
2: tweeting tweeting these days
0: what about you christian you got stuff going on this week
1: i'll be in san diego tuesday and wednesday tuesday at la stats wednesday at the wood and i'll probably be uh popping in at the comedy store and a couple of other clubs down there so if you're down and around the best way is follow me on twitter at spicer and real quick i'm gonna throw this out there's a a girl who's An awesome person, and we've become friends with their family, and they're awesome people and have worked on and created some awesome shows. Anyway, she uh, just finished her first year at the NYU Tisch, and she wants to really double down on games, and she's kind of looking to um, shadow or intern or whatever in game studios in LA, ideally. But if you know something, you can send me an email, um, just gmail.com and put in the subject like internship or something like that so I know to look at it. Um, She's an awesome person, really smart, and um, I'd love to help her out if possible. Jeff, what about you?
0: Well, I've got uh, Slash Filmcast. We just did Inside Out, which um, I think is a masterpiece. Everyone should see. So uh, here our review. It went up today. Uh, we also had a very special uh, E3, allowed it to happen. We Have Concerns. We had a special guest, uh, Greg Miller from Kind of Funny Vids, hung out with us, and we did a regular episode of We Have Concerns, which is my comedy science show. With him, And then a special bonus episode just for patrons. Wow, is that bonus episode crazy. Uh, Greg gets very personal about some things, and uh, I was amazed to be sitting in the same room uh, talking about that stuff. So you guys should really check that out. That's it. We have dot com. And, uh, yeah, that's going to do it for this episode on our E3 coverage. Thanks to all of you guys who supported us. Man, it was so fun awarding our uh, our big, crazy standee. Uh, that was all Christian's idea. Really, it really was, was a lot of fun. Uh, I think it was tickled the developers, and we had a good time doing that zaniness. But it's all because you guys support us and support the show. We really appreciate it. Um, we will be back with regular episodes starting next week. And until then... Think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place. And I'll do this.
2: One last time.